Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You don't have the balls, Ken. You don't have the stones. Hey there, everyone. Murph and Ken here with your free-to-wear Second Captain's Monday shows. You'll hear ads in the podcast today for the first time, and that's because we've joined the Acast Creator Network. What does it look like? A turtle, is it? But remember, if you become a Second Captain's member for just €5 a month, you'll get commercial-free podcasts daily. So do you have the stones to join us today at secondcaptains.com? Put some respect on my name! Right, on with the show. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shawny man? Ireland win! Ireland win! Ireland win! Five days ago, we were humbled at home by Ukraine's second team, and it left us so depressed that Ken had to talk for 25 minutes about Darwin Nunes on Thursday's show, just as a palate cleanser. And now, today... We stand on the cusp of a brave new world. Truly, when you're feeling lower than a snake's belly, when you just can't buy a brick, when there's no hope on the horizon, there's only one team to call, and that's the Jocks. The Jocks. Welcome to today's Second Captain Football Podcast. Hello there, Ken. Hello, Kieran. How are you? Oh, I mean, was my intro not uh, all the information you needed about my current state of mind, Ken? Uh, I almost I am... feel like just pressing stop on this recording. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel I'm... as though... What can we add? <laughs> we won a game, Ken. I, and I, 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 for one, want to spend my entire afternoon just talking about it. Uh, oh, it was, it was really good. Was you, really good. Uh, you come to us live from Łódź in Poland. Woods. When did you land? How are, your, how are our friends in Poland? How are you? Tell me everything. I'm in Łódź, uh, which, of course, is spelled L with a little line through it, O-D-Z. But it's pronounced Łódź. Imagine, as I as I explained to you before, Kieran, Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson saying Champions Week. Yeah. And that is the letter you're looking for to start the name of this city, which uh, I got in uh, actually to Warsaw, Warsaw, hmm. uh, the great capital of, of Poland, this beautiful country here in Eastern, or they would say Central Europe. <laughs> and then got a bus over to which, um Across the very, I would say, flat and featureless plain mm. of Poland, 
Um, a feature that's made more uh, haunting by the fact that uh, the motorway uh, is fenced off. Wow. <laughs> I mean, occasionally you would look and see, you know, there would be a beautiful Polish castle. Or indeed, on one occasion, I looked across the I happened to look out the window and looked across the horizon and, and glimpsed the skyscrapers of Warsaw in the far distance. They, they looked a mm. s- tremendous distance away. You can look that far because the country, as I said, is very flat. Uh, but for most of the time, it was just fenced. And I'm like, why Why is that? Why, why, yeah, why would you do that? Uh, I was I was asking people about this and one of them said sound, um, you know, basically the motorway is loud and people are trying to like not hear it. And that's one reason. Maybe it's to do with wildlife, I don't know. But it made it pretty boring the drive on the way into woods i passed the stadium of visu woods okay which is the local team visu watch the game um i i thought to oh, myself God. of course of course this is the home of the great visu woods who were conquered by manchester united on their 1991 european cup winners cup run wasn't it wasn't it uh, hey, you're my, in, my, right. in my memory in my I, memory, I want to say I, this game I, was I shown on ITV it. at like half three in the afternoon on a Wednesday or something. I do recall yes, getting, the, getting home from school and immediately, oh, there being football on on a Wednesday, which was not something that happened very much in 1991. 10th of April, 1991. McClare, Hughes, Bruce. I mean, that is a, that is a classic first Alex Ferguson mm, Bruce team. Bruce, penalty. Scores. Was it a penalty? Uh, uh, no. Yeah, uh, wow. I, I don't believe, I don't see Penn after his name. But it, uh, it's only on looking up the details of the game that I realised, in fact, it was against Legia Warsaw, and uh, not Vigil Bunch. <laughs> uh, they, they, in fact, were not in, they were not the Polish Cup winners that year. Oh, it was Legia Warsaw. So that, my memory told me wrong information. Oh, maybe well, listen, that was a pleasant little diversion, nevertheless. Uh, maybe we should go back to a game that happened more recently and uh, <laughs> a uh, game where you could actually recall correctly the two combatants involved. Uh, yes. Ireland against Scotland on Saturday Ireland night in Lansdowne Road. Doc- Dr. Scotland. Uh, mm. The prescription for all, for all of your ailments. <laughs> they applied a cold compress to our fevered brow. And soothed us back uh, to some something approaching health. In fact, something far beyond health. Something I would say almost in the we're almost in a state now of mania. Mm. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's great to 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 just wildly roller coaster between these emotional extremes. Yeah, we've replaced one fever with another. Yeah, and it's victory fever. It's it's uh, triumphal fever. Truly, nothing can stop us. Uh, and that's the that's the state we're in today. Yeah. All right. Many of you, I'm sure, are eager to know where Owen McDevitt is. He'll be back next week, of course. And Ken, I, he actually... He, he can't get back soon enough. Yeah. He, he Unfortunately, he doesn't really like when we kind of reveal personal details of his holidays. But let's just say, I mean, I don't know where he is in the world, but he is on Around the World Premier Sports I cruise believe, at the moment. I, I believe him to be in... I believe him... I don't think I'm giving too much away when I say that I believe him to be in... France. Yeah, he's he's moored off the Bay of Biscay somewhere, uh, mm. celebrating a hell of a season for all of the the good old boys at Premier Sports. There, currently on deck with his little brown pundit shoes on, with David James, Neil Lennon, all the lads. But he misses you terribly, and he can't wait to chat to you all next week. We're going to hear from Miguel Delaney and Dion Fanning in just a few minutes. But for now, let's report on some sport, please, Ken. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I have to say that I thought the game went very well for Ireland. It did. Um, it really Why, didn't. Ken? And Let's get down to business. What happened? What changed? What made the difference? Give us your verdict. Would it be too simple, Kieran, to suggest that Michael Abafemi was a big factor in improving the performance? Uh, it would not. It would not. You know, I like simple answers. Simple answers to complex questions, Ken, and that mm. seems like a pretty good, simple but effective uh, first gambit from you there. He set up well, a goal look, with one of the best uh, displays of skill I've seen from an Irish player in a long time, and then scored yeah. an utter thunder bastard in the second yeah. half. So that's yeah. that's a good start. Yeah, and you know. You know what, there was a lot of things to like about the goal, but one of the things I liked about it was the sort of the way that he sort of lifted his foot over the ball, you know? He sort of waved his foot over the ball before playing the actual pass. Remember? I mean, I thought, yes. oh, it's like, yeah, I like this. But Karen, you said a, a simple answer to a complex question. I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to apply it to the Irish performance, okay. which I feel benefited from a simplification of the system. Now, Stephen Kenny the day before the game, had been asked at the very end of his press conference, I think it was Paul Lennon who asked the question, um, he suggested that our two-man midfield frankly wasn't working. And maybe, was there anything to be said for adding another player to the midfield? And Stephen Kenny said, well, actually, our midfield's been playing very well. And I thought, mm, not convinced, but I'll hear you out. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Kenny continued to say that, in fact, it's not as simple as saying... Two, we have two players in midfield and they have three and that's simply the way it is because actually what happens in our team is that you've got players like Jason Knight in the front three who's going to drop back and fill in in midfield and make it numbers. you've got wing backs who are asked not simply to bomb down uh, the outside uh, and, to, and to create it but also to invert and to come into midfield to make up the numbers. And what you've ha- what, what, what you in effect have is sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes even five players in central midfield. Mm, couldn't swing a cat in the Irish midfield is what you're telling me, basically. There's, everywhere you look, there's another um, grimly determined Irish player filling in intelligently, moving from a, a position which he's notionally supposed to play, but actually moving into midfield to, in order to play this numbers game. And, uh, and and so, you know, you, so it's not as simple as uh, saying, well, you know, two, three, phew, actually, it's not like that, you know. And I thought, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, fair enough. Right? But actually, as it turned out, Stephen Kenny was going to do what Paul Lennon suggested. I'm not going to say Paul Lennon gave him the idea. I'm not going to say that this, that Paul Lennon hatched this idea personally. And Stephen Kenny came out of the press conference thinking to himself, Paul Lennon gave me food for thought there. Maybe I should play an extra midfielder. I'm not going to say that's exactly how it happened, but that is what he decided to do. He decided to play, uh, uh, he decided to change the formation 3 4 2 1 uh, into 3 5 2. Uh, and so we had their, our wing backs as usual. But now what we had was three players in midfield. Um, uh, Hendrick obviously came out of the team. Cullen came in, uh, Cullen has played all the games. Malumbi came into the team. And Jason Knight, rather than playing as as a, as a sort of you know one of these um, three front players, was was back in midfielder. That was his main. You know, when Ireland didn't have the ball, you could see them very clearly in this formation: three midfielders, and then ahead of them a strike partnership, an old-fashioned strike partnership of two strikers, Troy Parrott and Michael Obafemi, uh, uh, a little man, medium-sized man combo up mm. front. And I feel as though this 
simpler system. And I say simpler because you have in it basically two uh, forwards whose job is to score, right? It's not a case of, you know, what exactly is Callum Robinson's job when he's playing as like a t- one of the two players or, or, or Parrot or or, or Benny, you know, who, mm. different players who filled in this sort of number 10 role. What exactly is the is the job? Is it to create? Is it to score? Is it to support the midfield? Actually, it's all of those things. And when you're asked to do all of those things, that's a bit more complicated than being asked to just kick the ball into the goal. Mm. Which, of course, is the thing that we've been failing to do in the previous matches. And which is what we so successfully managed to do three times against Scotland. And in fact, it could have been more. I mean, Scott Hogan was pretty unlucky not to score a fourth goal. Mm. Uh, it was a good clearance. But this was my this is my feeling watching it, and I thought you could see it really clearly, the, the effect of this kind of simplification. You could see it really clearly in the second goal that Ireland scored. And the thing that really impressed me about the goal, and there was a lot, like Michael Obafemi said a hilarious thing after the game. I mean, he did, he did all these interviews mm. one was funnier than the next i thought right <laughs> but one of the things he said which i thought was brilliant was you know i can't remember if, if this was to the f i think it was in the fai clip that they that they put out and he's there going well you know i feel like a lot of this is he's he's literally there standing on the sideline of the emptying of eva just after the game is finished and he's like mm. i feel like a lot of people are talking about the goal and you know no one's talking about the assists you know and i was like what, yeah. what? <laughs> people are people, apparently you've, you've been monitoring the reaction mm. and uh, you feel as though the, the he's talking about the irish bench enough. here i suppose <laughs> well, that, must, that must be it, it. yeah but I mean, we look the goal. I mean, I I I screamed when the goal went in, or or, or rather, I didn't scream. I kind of went, oh, you know, I made a, I made a <laughs> Sorry, noise like the, that. This is the parrot goal, though, or his goal? No, no, the Obafemi goal because it was oh, yeah. like, what? I don't believe, what? you know, I I was like, wow, that's like the first one that came to my mind was remember Drogba's goal against Everton, yes, at Goodison, where he yeah. like absolutely, and I mean, it has that characteristic of you know, smacked from a central position flying into the middle of the goal over a helpless goalkeeper. Um, David Snade said, no, it's it's like Batistuta. Remember Batistuta against Man United for Fiorentina? Very good goal. Uh, also, for, yeah. Oh, great goal. There's something about that type of goal that just flies into the middle of the goal, but like just under the bar. Almost still seems to hit the roof of the net, which is physically impossible. But that's kind of... <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was incredible. I mean, yeah, it was, it was amazing. But the second goal... I thought showed this benefit of having players in a team whose job is just to score. And I mean, this was, you know, was it uh, at the press conference after the, the previous game, the Ukraine game, this question had been put to Stephen Kenny as well. You know, is there anything to be said for maybe playing a striker or, you know, like remember the front three against um, Ukraine had been uh, Ogbeni, Knight and Robinson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, th- those three players are all a little bit, well, I mean, nice midfielder, really. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're more sort of, uh, you know, none of them is really a, what you would call a, a, a typical striker. Mm. You know, whereas Obafemi and Parrot, I think, are, or at least, you know, can be, they, they, they have this type of characteristic. But anyway, I'm getting lost yeah, here. The listen, point is... Yeah, it, it just seems to me like you're giving a lot of credit to the Irish press corps here and not quite so much credit to the Irish management team. Well, no, it's because, you know, you're trying to draw these lines, draw these distinctions between management, press, supporters, you know, whereas I would say, don't forget, we're all Irish. Mm. And we're all the, chipping these, in. We, 
we're all part of this the Irish football hive mind, and these mm. ideas are sort of bubbling around, and we're sort of manifesting different ideas. Well, I, I love I love this. Like half ten last Wednesday night. Okay, everyone, no such thing as a bad idea. Let's run some ideas <laughs> up the flagpole. See what takes. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, what about uh, what about music striker? Uh, uh, he went one better than that. He was let's let's have two strikers. Mm. And so uh, and so, what happened? Okay, so it was a long kick out. Now this in itself is a bit unusual. Why was it a, why was it a long kick out from Killing Keller? Well, the reason is that just seconds earlier he had taken a short kick out, which for the second time in the match, which at the time was only twenty seven and twenty eight minutes old, had resulted in Scotland nearly scoring. And this was because the ball was, you know, he, basically the ball came to Shane Duffy, who's standing in the Irish penalty area. Um, there's a Scotland player sort of in front of him. He's looking around going, I don't really see many good options here. These aren't great options. And uh, eventually he chose poorly uh, an option. I think he tried to pass to Malumbi, but Robertson was waiting for this, nipped in front of Malumbi, got the ball, passed it infield, and it was McGinn who uh, just... Really should have scored, I think. And this was, again, for the second time in a game, the same thing had happened. You know, Duffy trying to play it out for the back, passed it to a Scotland player. Scotland immediately fed it to a player in the D who should have scored and missed. Right, so once again, Ireland had got away with it. Now we were, we were obviously, we were leading already at this point in the game. Brown had scored uh, from, from the quarry. You know, Duffy won the header. Brown bundled it in. Um, but I think Kelleher thought at that point, all right, okay. <laughs> You know, let's just let's just get rid of this one, right? Mm. Let's just let's just put this ball. I want this ball to go into the other half of the field. I don't have to think about this ball for at least a few seconds. So um, let's just try that and see how that goes. So he booted the ball long. Troy Parrott he goes for it with uh, Jack Hendry. I'm not sure which of them actually touched it. Uh, you know, but they they both went for the ball, and the ball sort of ricocheted to Michael Obafemi standing in field, infield, and Parrott. Uh, hits the ground like a sack of spuds, right? At which point you think, well, what's what's Obafemi going to do? Everyone's watching Obafemi, and nobody's watching Troy Parrott, who gets to his feet and absolutely takes off for the penalty area. And it's like he's so far back that like it's almost an unnoticed movement on the field at this point, certainly not noticed by the Scottish defenders. But he absolutely just tears towards the box. Uh, Henry, who, who remember had jumped uh, uh, with part for the ball, is now following Jason Knight, who has run forward from midfield. And he's the right of the three Scottish centre-backs, which means that outside him there is now a space because Ralston, the right wing-back, kind of hasn't reacted to the situation. So if Parrot can now get up, Knight is there, Henry's, Henry's marking him, and outside him there's all the space. So Parrot just takes off for it, which, which isn't going to matter unless Obafemi does what he does, which is to hold the ball up brilliantly, uh, turn around, you know, survey his options, and then see the Parrot's made up all this ground and flight this beautiful pass in The Parrot is able to head in without even breaking stride. He is in, you know, it's such a perfect ball that Parrot's, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's unmissable, it's, it's eminently missable, but Parrot is able to finish it off. But the thing that really just leapt out at me about it was how um, positive the run was. Mm. You know, this is like, uh, this is just something that you don't see, we hadn't seen Ireland doing. And like, he just absolutely took off and, and just went for it and arrived. You know, if he doesn't make the run, then the ball, like... Obafemi said afterwards, I saw the run. Like, he, he played the pass because of the run. So the mm. run is kind of inventing the pass. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's if, if, if he doesn't make the run, there is no pass. There's yeah. no, there's no, Obafemi has to just lay it yeah. off to somebody. And, and Parrot uh, is, is able to make the run because he has no 
other role in the team other than to get into areas where he can score and he's not thinking, right, well, I, if we turn this ball over, I should really be back helping our wing back out uh, yeah. in the transition. That, that, that's basically the point you're making, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, 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 what I, that's what I thought. Um, I just feel as though if you're struggling to score, as Ireland have been, and as Ireland have been for, frankly, years, it does help to have players in the team who just have that job, mm. you know? It's yeah. like, rather than sort of having to do having to do a lot of things, and I'm not saying that that, that is a bad, um, that's a bad idea, like, you know, that, that Stephen Kenny was talking nonsense when he was talking about how to make up the numbers in midfield. I mean, that's what, like, a really good team does, you know, was able to create local superiority in numbers just by the intelligent movement of the players, and that's it's great if you can do it, but for a team like Ireland who are struggling a little bit, you know, and, and particularly to score, sometimes just the clarity of like, this is your job. Get in the box, try to score, mm. and other players will take care. Other players will, will mind the house. You know what I mean? Um, I do think maybe that, that, that helped a little bit. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, this, is a, this is a simple, as you said, a, a simple answer to a complex question. I mean, ultimately, it has to do with also just the, the quality of the players, you know, coming up with, with great moments of, of skill. But, so, uh, you know, yeah. that sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we picked an extra midfielder, but we also dropped a midfielder, Jeff Hendrick, and uh, Malumbi brought us a lot of energy in the middle of the field. Yeah. And yeah. this may... Uh, I've, you know, I've having had quite a number of discussions about this game since Saturday evening. A lot of people have kind of alighted on this idea that Hendrick being out of the team and Malumbi coming in gave us way more energy than we've seen from the Irish midfield. Well, I mean, it did. You know, I mean, there's no... That's, that's, that's a fact. Um, when Malumbi won that tackle for the... In, in the move for the third goal... Hmm. And I, I mean, I say move, it was chaos, like it was war in midfield. And there was two massive fouls, I thought, by Scotland, which the referee just, ah, play, I keep going, you know, I'm not yeah, A lot I'm of leather this. By the way, in the entire Nations League, for the last week and a half, I've just been agog at the refereeing. It's like, let it flow, uh, but like, by 10. It's incredible. Did you see Robinson's foul? Oh my God, Robinson! Robinson's foul late in the game. I mean, he got oh, a yellow card. It could so easily have been red. Could easily Duffy have been nearly red. destroyed Andy Robinson. By the way, you know his third mistake playing out. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be like just on Duffy's case. I mean, but there were three like massive um, errors of build-up play, which could have resulted in Scotland goals. The first two I've already mentioned uh, in the first half hour of the game. And then there was another one in the second half where he, he actually sort of came out of defence a little bit and then just almost passed it to Robin, Robertson who was running towards him. Robertson went past him. Duffy turned around and absolutely took Robertson out. Like, it was one of those you're like, oh God, Jesus. You know, is he going to be, is he going to get up? Yeah, there are ways to take a yellow card uh, that don't like endanger the life of the person you're sweeping the legs from under. It was one of those, like, Robertson could end up with, like, one leg permanently shorter than the other after this, you know? But luckily, he, you know, it, he, he ended Bad up just sort of tripping him yeah. rather than shattering, shattering the ankle, so that was good. Um, but, you know, we, okay, we, we were talking about the midfield, and, yeah, Malumbi came in, and Malumbi is a player who, he's, I, he's a really interesting player. He's, very, he's obviously very high energy. What I like about him is he's very kind of, he's quite light and spring. Okay, I'm about to say something here which is a bit... Which is kind of is kind of a stupid thing to say, really. But 
the player that he reminds me a little bit of in the way that he gets around the field is Roy Keane. Uh, and I mean to say this not because he's a player like Keane who dominates the game, because clearly he's he's nowhere near that, that kind of level at this point in his career. But physically, he reminds me a little bit of Keane. He's, he's got that sort of lightness. Like he's both, he, he's, he's strong for his size, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I feel he kind of snaps, he snaps into tackles. He, he can get close to players. I mean, the, the, the tackle is, is a great illustration of, of what I'm talking about. The, the one that, that wins the ball for the move in the, in the third goal. You know, he's, a, he's able to sort of, to, to generate that sort of forward spring. It's, you know, it's a good, it's a good quality to have. I mean, what he needs to do to sort of completely establish himself is, you know, in, in the Irish team is, is the kind of, just the, just the knowing how to play football thing you know literally what, what Ar- the final Arigosaki piece of the puzzle phrase. <laughs> yeah Ar- Aragosaki used the phrase I'm not it's not just my phrase knowing how to but you know that Aragosaki said it about Steven Gerrard I think some players just don't have that quality of knowing how to play football <laughs> like his he, he, I, I think John Giles used to say the same thing about Steven Gerrard he's basically re- really good at everything just apart from knowing what it is he should be doing in any given moment mm. you know he's like brilliant at all yeah that's that's the thing that Malumbi needs to do like just to stitch so together Gerard, his game Malumbi Yes. Yeah, okay. Look, I, not, I, I, I exactly. like this. Kind of, I like not, it a lot. But that sort of um, ability to get across the ground quickly and to and to sort of get close to players and make tackles like this. No, I is, thought he was really a good. good. For a midfielder to yeah. Have. yeah, he was really and, good. And I feel night. it's been a while. It's been a long time since Jeff Hendrick has given the team that kind of energy. You know. Um, now, I, in like f- the Hendrick, one thing I would say about Hendrick, right, is that he may yeah. well have benefited from having two strikers with that making runs and not thinking about anything else because I mean yeah. we ask Hendrick to to open to, up to, to be a playmaker yeah. yeah but but while also not really giving him as many of the kind of upfront options that maybe we saw available to us on Saturday night now I mean because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm you know like I wasn't sitting there on Saturday night going god this may this game is made for Jeff Hendrick but I, I do think that like he has been you know he's he's won a lot of caps for Ireland, and he's obviously he's got a lot of ability. But mm. it just it, it we haven't seen it enough, and I'm I'm just wondering was he unfortunate kind of on two levels, uh, the fact that he had played badly and lost his place, but then uh, that also the game developed in such a way that he might actually have been able to have played quite well on Saturday evening if he'd, you know, if if he'd been rotated out of the team for the Ukraine game and brought back in yesterday, maybe. Possibly, possibly, but you know, at the same time, who who would you pick? Would you pick him ahead of Malumbi? Would you pick him ahead of of um, Knight? Uh, you know, as a as an eight, say in no. the midfield. You know, I mean, no. Cullen is Cullen is like the fulcrum player. You know, and he's been doing that job, I think, pretty well. Like he's he's been pretty low key, very consistent. Um, he's been doing, I think, a, a pretty good job. You know, whereas Hendrick, I don't think kind of you're sort of like, what exactly is it that you're doing? Like, you're not you're not you're not like uh, you're not giving this kind of energy, this sort of physicality that Malumbi is bringing. There isn't really the sort of tacking inventiveness that you see from from Knight that, you know, Knight also is is physically pretty dynamic. Um, You know, you're not really sort of doing this kind of disciplines Mm. Cullen thing either. So. And you know, and you're not a Wes Hulan, Andy Reid type. You know the kind of uh, errant genius. Why isn't he in the team type? No. 
You know, it's, no. it's, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm thinking. You're thinking like, what was the last? I mean, I, I, I can, I can see some Jeff Hendricks highlight reel in my head, like for Ireland, like hitting the bar in the Stade de France against Sweden, a game where he played brilliantly in what in what was effectively a four man, you know, a diamond midfield for Ireland that day, where we actually played some pretty good football. Um, I remember him uh, setting up a goal for Hulahan against Poland. So, like, you know, was it his debut? I'm not sure if it was, but like, you know, a nice little sort of insightful pass. Um, he, I remember him setting up a goal against Georgia, I think, with like a little run down the left, a little sort of shimmy, um, some skill. And then against Wales, uh, do you remember he set up the McLean goal against Wales yes. when, when we beat them in the, in the World Cup qualifier um, with that sort of run down the sideline? And then I'm sort of thinking, well, that was five years ago. You know what? Um, what have you done for me lately, Hendrick? <laughs> so, and you know, and his club career has has pretty much stagnated. You know, I mean, Burnley Burnley is obviously not um, joining Burnley FC hasn't been a great decision for a couple of Irish players. Um, in no, you know, in and it seems times. like it should be the right place for a lot of Irish players, but no, it has it. I mean, well, Nathan Collins has put the light of that, maybe, but. Yeah, well, we'll see how long Nathan Collins is at Burnley because um, I would say he seems to be probably a little bit too good for for Burnley. Um, Mm. But, you know, um, I I think with Hendrick, you know, I'd like to see the case for actually putting him back in at this point. You know, I I think, um, I mean, unless there's a sort of a a fatigue case, you know, unless there's a, well, other players are tired, other players are in the red and it's time for Jeff Hendrick to come back in the team. But at the moment, I would say... Um, that midfield, the the team that played against Scotland looks like. Phew, I mean, would you change it? I, I think I would. Uh, I think I would give them another go and, and see how uh, see how they get on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Take your time there. Take your time. Take your time. Relax, relax. Now, oh, what a pass, what a pass, what a reverse Can't pass. Wheel it. Go, wheel it, wheel it. go! That's a goal for you, TV! Welcome to heaven, Willen. Welcome to heaven. Give him the ball on his feet. He will do the magic. Welcome to heaven. Oh, he was amazing. He was amazing. Welcome to heaven. Willen, Willen, Willen. Fantastic. Welcome to heaven.
Ireland 3, Scotland 0, a stroll in the Dublin summer sunshine for Stephen Kenny and his boys in green. Miguel Delaney was watching on in wide-eyed admiration. Hello there, Miguel. Hello. And Dion Fanning is with us also. Dion, Dion, how are you? Good, Murph. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. So where did this performance come from? Stephen Kenny called it the most significant home victory in seven years, which is a kind of a almost worryingly precise uh, number to put on it. Not, not as if he had, you know, uh, something lodged in his head, you know, that he was ready to... It, I mean, it is encouraging, isn't it, I suppose, just from the fact that it did look like we were about to enter the kind of uh, death rattle or the kind of... The, Andre Villas-Boas' famous term, the, the negative spiral for this team. Uh, and I must say, uh, even though um, I've been probably positive towards Kenny's reign and can I see that I was beginning to turn. Um, <laughs> so, but, now, but now you're back. <laughs> well, I mean, I, like, I, I have to say, I doubted whether he could muster uh, a response so to go from a response to what was a festival of football at Lansdowne Road. <laughs> <laughs> but here, I don't understand this. Why, Miguel? Why were you beginning to turn? Well, I, I suppose maybe it was just kind of the, um, just the, kind of the, the natural, it's hard not to be downbeat, especially like, because I mean, with, with Kenny for so long, it has been, it's required trust and faith really. And, and acceptance of the team isn't, or the, the, the talent isn't great at the moment, and it's going to require a lot of work to, to I suppose, maximise that and, and, and put something in place. And given last year, especially the draw against Serbia had seemed such a turning point that prompted an unbeaten run, it just, it just felt like, you know, and, and, and even, I mean, even that unbeaten run, let, let's be fair, the, you know, the opposition we, we faced were, was modest. So to go from that and then suddenly drop off again, it had that feel of never going to happen. And, um, and and I suppose some of it's down to the kind of uh, the, the nature of international breaks. Something struck me when I was listening to the podcast last week and the points Richie made about when you have a game straight away. I was kind of thinking how frustrating it must be for Kenny generally to, ha- like, say, when he has one of those breaks, and it, 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 it looks like one of those like four-month breaks when nothing happens and everyone yeah, forgets yeah, that the team ha- could having be good. lost the last two games, and you've got then like months to stew on it, and without without even the chance to rectify it. So for so for, for, for the performance to come out of all of that on Saturday. Now I must say I was talking to some uh, Scot- Scottish journalist colleagues who I'd been up who up with for the Ukraine game up in up in Glasgow. They were kind of they're quite dismissive. We're more, more talking about how a lot of this seemed to how bad Scotland were, and I'm pointing like, and they're pointing their astonishment that Ireland scored three goals in the game for the first time since was it Andorra. Um, well, no, we scored three goals also against well, Qatar. Pressure. No, it, 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 Qatar. Yeah, we, you know, okay. If you're talking competitive games, then Azerbaijan, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Dion, you know, we've heard a lot about we've heard a lot from Miguel about this and that about you know his skepticism towards Ireland, you know. But I don't think you share that skepticism. No, no, I I wouldn't say uh, I was on on the on the turn, not no. out. Uh, no, not out of not out of any huge but conviction. Like I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I'm con- I have a, a burning conviction. That Stephen Kenny is is without question or without failings the right person to be managing Ireland, but I think what he wants to do is the right thing to do, and 
what where Ireland are, it, he is he is somebody who who we we're probably I think to to abandon it now would be would be a kind of would risk going back to um uh this kind of idea that there's somebody who we can get in and let's get some results and to try and break away from that kind of uh massive kind of mood swing from one extreme to the other like let's get some you know let's get uh, which england which england have done for a long time with their managers you know the, your the, the next appointment is always a response to the previous one uh and i think that was something that was, there were good almost kind of negative reasons for persisting <laughs> persisting with stephen kenny um i would say though the one thing i would say about saturday um that I think with a team of Ireland's ability against a team of Scotland's ability, um, that kind of mood swing, that kind of mood performance is also very characteristic. And we've seen that. Like It, it actually, in some ways, I was thinking about the defeat to Cyprus uh, under Steve Staunton. The 5-2. Well, then just how Ireland, you know, everyone, like the, the sense after that game was, at, you know, it's this is terrible. This, you know, this manager is... Gone, and then and then they turned around with the kind of performance, the draw against the Czech Republic the the following Wednesday, yeah. and again you see, um, whatever whatever formation, whatever tactics, whatever approach a team like Ireland has, there is something that just the focus that it, that is required from being really under the cosh sometimes produces a performance, and again I think that absence of consistency is also an indication of where Ireland are as a team. Um, so uh, I think that's, you know, you're going to have these massive, you know, these, these, these total uh, swings in performance, which is just something you, you will get with an average bunch of players. Um, and we were helped. I thought it was great. I thought it was very, it was great to have, again, it was a reminder of, of how things had felt positive under Stephen Kenny. Um and I think we were helped as well by playing a team like Scotland, who I think it, any, anything can basically happen when Ireland plays Scotland. We can beat them. They can beat us. It can be yeah. it can be nil nil. It can be one one. We know, should do it more often. We should do more. Often. We should do it more often. We should just try and arrange. Well, we, we tried, didn't we? We used to have that. What was it called? The, nation, <laughs> the, the Carling. The, the Carling Cup. The Carling yeah, Cup. The Carling Cup. Yeah, yeah. W- one thing I find especially striking about the Kenny regime, and I, and I suppose this is actually. It's got just there are short term concerns about this, but in the long term, I think it probably points something good. It's how different a team Ireland are, and how just kind of how different everything feels if they get an early goal. Because it's like that suddenly removes all sorts of anxiety from the team. It, it, like it, it, when they're in a situation, I mean, what, what Dion's talking about there, I suppose, and what the ideal with Kenny is that we have a style of play that no matter the situation of a the game, they stick to it and it will eventually apply itself. And there's, whereas while we're instilling that, and there is this kind of wider, um, obviously, disquiet about results and the need to get on track and all that. It does mean that if we don't go ahead in the game, you can you can you can see that. I think you were talking about the other day as well. It's almost like at the twenty point mark or twenty minute mark. If a game is nil all, suddenly this kind of total uh, anxiety seeps into the Irish performance. The other team kind of respond to it, and then I call the, it, the, I call it the almost, curdling, Miguel. Yeah, the curdling. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if we score early. And I suppose with goals change games, all the rest of it. But if we score early, it does just feel as if then it's a, it's a Stephen Kenny Ireland 
as he wants to see a Stephen Kenny Ireland, and 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 that, that's why I think so much of this at the moment does take kind of trust, and it's about you know delicately navigating the, the almost the, the mindset of the team through through these through this period. Um, I mean, some of it has to do also, I suppose, with um, Michael Obafemi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like this, you know. So what? What I what I want to know is what to what extent do you think this kind of different type of performance and, and good result was was a result of, you know, there was some changes. I mean, I know Dion, you've already said, you know, the mentality was different because there was a sort of an element of desperation there that maybe hadn't been there before. I mean, you know, in terms of the results creating pressure, but also the fact that Obafemi came in was playing, you know, with Troy Power up front. This actually just seemed to work. Yeah, it did work. Um, and I, I think it was probably, I think the way Ireland lined up, uh, it, it was probably a bit more, it, it, it was a more traditional, um, you know, approach to the game and, as a, and, a, and a, 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 a formation that is kind of, is provides a bit more security. And then you have two, you two players up front who kind of know, um, what they're going to do, and it, it was uh, like the first, like the um, the parrot goal, like um, is really exceptional. Like it's it's like I I am kind of surprised in some ways that there's a, like I know a long range. Um, everyone loves shot. a long range. Every, goal. Everyone loves 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 a, loves a long range goal, but like and it's some it's funny. Like actually, I noticed this. Uh, just digressors, I noticed this with the goal of the season award on 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 match today this year that they seem to people seem to have just gone for long range goals now there was you know it seems to be the thing maybe it's a it's a kind of uh a, a indication of where we are you know in terms of like short clips give me give me a give me a 35 yard screamer we, we don't have the attention span to watch you know a 25 uh, pass move that end that ends with somebody tapping it in at the far post yeah. um even though i there's something to my eyes more aesthetically pleasing about that not to mind Ian. No, you no, just I'm want, you just a, I'm, the, a, I'm a dribbling guy. I'm like dribble past a few guys and score. That's that's my idea of a good goal. The the sort of the you know pass it pass it around and score. Like remember Argentina scored that goal against Serbia in the World Cup in mm-hmm. 2006. Everyone was like, I always hated it. I I, I I actually thought I always thought that goal was kind of slightly mitigated by the finish, which I thought was a bit. It was scuffed. Move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, you know, I just feel there's something a bit alien I, about I, that. I, yeah, I often find when you look back at those dribbling goals, it's very you very quickly see that they've effectively beaten maybe one person. But, uh, but, but, like but, Michael Owen against Argentina, you know. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> he literally yeah. did run past one guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, a classic of that is also um, something that I, I, I watched a lot because of the controversy about the, uh, the Newcastle United kit. So, uh, Saeed Owaru? Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, that's, that's awful an awful goal. Mm. <laughs> doesn't be falling over the ball. Uh, and, uh, Listen, I, I really feel <laughs> someone here has to just corral this back from Saeed Owaran. You know, and, and well, Dion, you were saying, you, like you, you were saying basically that the Troy Parrot goal was bringing up, and I, I agree, I agree. It wasn't, it wasn't an Argentina-Serbia level of sort of pretension. It was just a bloody good goal. Yeah, but it also again. But the point I was going to make about that, I think that's something. Uh, I think that the, the the way Ireland was set up allowed that to happen to a degree. It also is that good combination of the way Stephen Kenny wants to play with a kind of a directness um, that uh, that that worked. And um, 
I, I feel like so I, I think there's something in the way Ireland played there on on Saturday to to evolve. But again, we've said that before. I think and I think this comes back to my original point. I think with this Ireland team, and I think to a degree with Stephen Kenny as a manager, who I I do want to say as Ireland manager, I feel he's the right person to do it. But he, like he's going to make and Obafemi is a good example as well. He's going to make mistakes mm. as a manager, and he's probably going to make more mistakes as a manager than. Uh, than you know some of the manager like like you know he isn't he isn't a, a manager who has worked at the at the highest level for a long period of time he's a manager who is going to make mistakes and i think we have to accept that and i think there is a degree of reluctance still to accept really where where ireland are and and what's required to kind of try and change uh try and change the approach and actually have those kind of games that we've had under Kenny. We've had, and he doesn't help himself at times. I don't even, when after the game, he helps himself necessarily when he comes back. I, I, would, I you know, and talks about, you know, we're building something, we're doing something. I think sometimes yeah. he'd be better off just saying... Just letting it speak for itself. Just, yeah, letting it speak for itself. Like, just say, we, we, it's a good win. There's a long way to go. We've got to work hard rather than always... Uh, try and refer to this overarching vision yeah it's that, true that he has it does it does start to grate with me a little bit you know because he, he also is like oh you know i don't feel pressure like as though he's sort of floating above it and i'm like well if you don't feel pressure why is everything why does why do you always seem to be in a courtroom like defending your record you know what i mean like he's always sort of making this case but miguel i want to ask you about something you know a, a wider issue in the game there's a contagion in the game it's spread around the, the game in the last, it's it's spread everywhere in the last year, uh, and it's and I think it's I think it's out of control, and I think someone needs to do something about it. And I and I speak about the contagion of three four two one. Why is this <laughs> system so popular everywhere? Why is everybody trying to play it? And it's like it's a system that's so complicated, almost nobody can play it, and yet everybody keeps trying. We've been doing it for you know a while, and uh, it's kind of worked. Uh, and we changed to three five two the other day, and it turned out that was a lot easier for a lot of our players to get our head around. What? Talk to me. Talk to me about three four two one, and, and what's happening with that? Well, wasn't there a suggestion with Ireland that initially came in through Anthony Barry, uh, who was right, trying Miguel, to I'll stop you there, Miguel. Miguel Go on. I'll stop you there. Yeah. I believe that Stephen Kenny actually originated that idea himself, and it's merely a coincidence that Anthony Barry then came in uh, as a as a coach who had worked with Chelsea. Uh, and and maybe there was a consonance. Maybe there was a consonance between those two men. Maybe Anthony Barry did help us. You know, he was working with a team, the only team that's been able to to pull this off, this this nonsense system off successfully. In fact, and maybe that did help that we had a coach who was working with that team. You know, to to. But I believe Miguel. I believe that Stephen Kenny was the first person to come up with the idea. But it, but I'm, please continue. But but also it helps to play it if you got if Angolo Kante is one of your midfielders. So I think that's always that's always been the problem with that system, basically, isn't it? If it's if it's just two in the centre against most other sides, if it was certainly if they're not playing that system, they kind of get outmaneuvered in midfield, which is pretty much what has been an issue for Ireland. And actually, I, I, I just from the, the prior two games before Saturday, I feel like Dan McDonald had, had put up kind of stills of the Irish system, and there was a lot of that about, which looked. When you when you saw the when you saw the setup in that way, 
I saw the stills, and and, and yeah. just if anyone, if for anyone who didn't see them, I mean, it it basically showed players spread out over the widest possible area. <laughs> it was like I've never seen such a big gap between the defensive line and the no, it was the defense and midfield were basically together in one in one mass of players, and then there was a huge gap containing most of the pitch and most of the other team, and then there was the forward players. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose. I mean, and again, this goes back to the point, <laughs> and it's a very basic point. If you've got better, more athletic players. They can cover the ground necessary in that system, uh, which and it, and you're just going to kind of go back to something that Dion was going kind to of mention there a moment. Where we are now, actually, I was kind of thinking of this the other day. What like just the the, the current reality for Ireland? We're probably kind of what where Hungary were for most of the nineties and two thousands. Uh, obviously, Hungary had a more distinguished history than us, but a team that had say recently qualified for things just going through the, that are basically less than a mid tier European nation at this point and can probably mostly forget about qualification unless it's in an expanded tournament but but like I think e- e- even allowing for that and given the talent we have I suppose what Kenny is trying to do is and this is why it is a, a process and potentially quite a, a medium term one it's ultimately putting in a system that Ireland that allows Ireland fluidity in every game that you know players can interchange so they, they, can, they, they can go from when they have the ball to spreading a pitch and when they don't have it to, to quickly uh, congesting the pitch and it is <laughs> despite my I was, I was thinking about this as well at the, at the, before the Scotland game despite my doubts or, or how I almost turned against Kenny now of course I'm fully back on oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, but I think Dion was, even, even say results got to the point where they, they decided to get rid of Kenny I think it's absolutely crucial though that we don't do say an Everton and as Dion said a, a response to the last, I mean, because like we say, with Everton, there was always this thing. Oh, we tried a progressive mo- young manager on the up. That didn't work. It hasn't out. worked. So that, progressive so models don't work. That. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is which is not. I mean, because I think what what Kenny is trying to do is the right the right thing, and I, I think that's that, that as Dion said, that that's a path we have to go down. Because also there's, there's a bigger shift in international football as well that's kind of happened in the last maybe t- since 2018. We're kind of the mid 2010s were basically, and I, I think this is because of kind of the status of the international game and relative to the to the club game, but where it basically became these kind of the more dominant sides were these just ordered, structured sides that were tough to break down. Like France won a World Cup like that in 2018, Portugal won a Euros like that in 2016, but it feels it feels like there's been a, and South Asia is trying to replicate that with England now. You know, like he's referenced it himself, even his backroom staff, they talk about this kind of almost Bible they have and how to win tournaments. And it, it does sometimes feel like management management by handbook. Step one, don't but, let in any goals. <laughs> but but there, there, there was maybe a slight suggestion, given how Italy won the Euros, given the evolution of Spain in that tournament, that international football is kind of... it's. I mean, again, this is kind of theorising from relatively limited evidence... But it, it's maybe going to a more kind of fluid era, replicating some of what we see in club football. Obviously, kind of pressing and all that can never be the same as a club game because managers don't have that sort of time. But it does feel as if we're, we're going beyond there, and that, which is why Kenny or a Kenny-type manager would be right in that sort of context. Uh, and, why, and why even in the longer term, to go back to your point of your question, a system like uh, well, with two in the middle and three at the back can't work. Yeah, no, I think that's that's important. I think, we, like, the the key thing as well really is, um, and, you know, we, you talk about Scotland and you look at, uh, you look at how 
like what happened for Scotland with Scotland against Ukraine, and then how uh, how you know Wales coped against Ukraine, and that sense of just having the players, the sort of transformative player that can make a difference, and Scotland don't really have that. Scotland look very like us. Um, uh, we don't have it, obviously. And, you know, we can hope for two, you know, we can hope that the next time we get a player uh, who's, who's due, has, who, who has due qualification, we, we kind of nail him, nail him down. Uh, but we can also hope that maybe player development improves. And, you, you know, I don't think anything that Stephen Kenny is doing can be taken out of context from uh, the last 10 years of, of Irish football and, you know, the... the, the the indebtedness of the FAI and the inability of of really you know the amount of money that went towards things that in in a in a properly functioning association would have gone towards player development would have gone towards coaches all those kind of things because we we had this kind con- you know we we've had this conversation about when we started having this conversation for almost as long as we've had we started having this conversation if you know what I mean but after the after the it's ten years since. It's ten years this weekend since the first defeat in the in Euro twenty twelve when it was kind of right we must actually do something about the the the, the limit the limitations. I thought we were I thought we we had a chance of winning that game. Can you believe how this afternoon? Yeah, I I uh, I remember going through. I uh, maybe with you, Ken, going through how this that Ireland team compared with the uh, Euro eighty eight Ireland team oh, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we, we we agreed that you know it was, sure it was if anything Sean it was said better, it was better. Better. Right, you know. <laughs> so, so I think I think that that doesn't that isn't fixed overnight unless you actually find a player that's that's been developed somewhere else, if you like, and uh, um, and, and and qualify them. So that is the thing that is, is that is one of the reasons why I think we have to we we have to get out of. Um, the habit of kind of thinking right there's a manager there's a manager out there who can fix everything and um, we've we've tried that we tried it with uh you know we, we couldn't even afford the managers that we were getting in to do that it, you know it worked to varying degrees you know temporary short-term fix martin o'neill was all about winning the next game the line i i go back to all the time with him was when he came in and he said i hear they're on his first press conference, I hear there's some kind of good uh, under 17s, but what good is that to me? Um, now he was there for long enough many that years it could have, they actually could have, yeah, it would have, it would have, it would have, and like um, it would have mattered to him. So that was his approach, and we need to kind of just realize that there isn't anything, get rid of Steve, you know, like it's, happily it's not the conversation now, but if you, um, it is. <laughs> The, uh, the the line that is always attributed to Daniel O'Connell about the meeting the the labourer on the side of the road who asked him when is Ireland going to be free, and O'Connell said whatever happens you'll still be breaking stones. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what <laughs> he said? <laughs> I'm afraid what? he did. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, and uh, you know the la- I think the labourer was happy enough. But, uh, oh, uh, no, you know, at last a politician speaks the truth. Yeah. Um, I think, he, yeah, I think he was trying to, you know, again, sometimes fatalism is um, is liberating, you know, and mm. uh, um, I think there is that if we get rid of if if you if you just define Ireland by who the manager is, then you're going to still get these situations. Um, 
Saturday was positive and it was encouraging. And I think we have to hope that you get the. But you're going to have set. You're going to have more. You could have one tomorrow. You're going to have those days where it actually feels again like we're, we're going nowhere. And when when that happens, do we just do we recognize? Do we see the big picture, or do we think right? It's all down to Stephen Kenny. It's not that it isn't down to Stephen Kenny at times, but. There is no, there is no magic wand to solve the problems that Irish football has. No, no, unfortunately, unfortunately not. While, uh, while I have you both uh, on, can I ask you what you think of this amazing thing that's been going on over the last month that we call the Nations League? I'm just looking at some of the, you know, just Albania one, Israel two, Austria one, France one, Moldova two, Latvia four, you know, Norway nil, Slovenia nil. It feels like this was never possible before. So much football. So many countries uh, playing so many matches. In June, uh, you know, previously we used to have... Actually, there's way more matches than would happen even in a tournament. Uh, Miguel, I think that you've been... I mean, you've been obviously covering the the England games. And England, by the way, have have been an absolute disgrace in this. Uh, You know, they've really let themselves down and they've let their country down. But uh, apparently a lot of their players... Uh, I've I've been doing a lot of whinging behind the scenes and think this is this is awful that they're that they're being forced to do this. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I hope actually I I agree with the English players. What have they been saying? Well, I mean, there's just a feeling that I suppose that it, this is too much after too long a season, the first kind of post-COVID season. And what we're really seeing now is it's the effect of there's obviously something wider here. It's the inevitable effect of that kind of that crunch that came from adapting the calendar because of the COVID break and also trying to squeeze everything in before the 2022 World Cup and needing to move the 2022 World Cup. And, I mean, it was said so many times in discussions about this back in 2020 when football, when the calendar, when football didn't get back up and running, that basically no one was willing to cede anything, which is, which is a problem now where the players pretty much, or certainly... I suppose Champions League level players are just have just played too much football, and hence all the major teams, not just England. Like I think Portugal was either Portugal or France made ten games or made ten changes from one game to the next, and it, and, and and Spain made seven. I was even looking at the Portugal side last night and their defeat to Switzerland. No Ronaldo, so many changes, um, and, it, and, it, and it is almost too much in that regard because this these four games these were supposed to take place across. Was it September and October last year? But that couldn't hap- happen because they had to have the Nations League finals la- in that, that period. Because, of course, they were supposed to take place in June 2021. But what happened in June 2021? We had the Euros. Um, so, well, I mean, this, this might flip now for the actual term itself because it's, of course, going to have a rare World Cup that's actually mid-season. Um, so, so the players, the will, players will be in, in actual peak condition, which, which yeah, happens yeah. Really- which, and, and actually, that's actually, I think, it's why 2022-23 could have a lot of surprises across European football, just because the first half is going to be dominated by the build-up to the World Cup. And even if that's a subconscious thing, but we all, you know, we all know about that player kind of trying to keep themselves fit for the tournament. Mm. Then the second half will be influenced by how that tournament goes, uh, players obviously putting everything into it, potential exhaustion, um, maybe emotional exhaustion as well. If there's like, I mean, look what happened to England post Euro 2020 with missed penalties, the former Harry Maguire and all that sort of thing. So it it could kind of cause a bit of havoc with what we usually expect in football in terms of results. 
Mm. Dion, do you get a sense that like this is they've kind of pushed it too far with this with this nonsense? Like you know this like tournament length, well more than tournament length uh, international program in in June that like UEFA are having a kind of they're. You know, last year it was like, well, UEFA are defending the game against these, you know, Super League people. And now you're looking at UEFA going, well, you know, are you actually kind of any better than that? Or, Well, I think that's always always been the uh, the case. It, with, you know, and if you look at, you know, with, with those, the associations who've been who've been threatened by these, these insurgents, whether it's UEFA or the PGA, like, or, or whatever, there are these, there are very good reasons for looking at how they have, they have operated and gone, well, you know, you, you really, uh, there's an awful lot to kind of criticize there. Um, the problem comes when you look at the, that the alternatives and you look at what's kind of been ripped up. Um, it is, it is an interesting one. It does, it does seem to be like, as Miguel laid out there, like the, the, the convergence of events has really made this a kind of unavoidable thing in some ways. Um, I, I, I imagine like the players who are, who are complaining about it are probably uh, like they, they would be normally playing in a world cup right now, which would be, which would be more demanding. I imagine one of the reasons they're complaining about, ah, yeah, yeah no, I mean, it would it, be, it, it, at least you'd be like, well, no, that's not what I'm going to say. At least you've got the, as opposed to like Andy Robertson is in Yerevan now. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. <laughs> Andy, Andy Robertson is in Yerevan. Did you see his face? Did you see Andy Robinson? Like them, he's completely grey now. He's completely been drained of all vitality and purpose in his life. And that, and he lost three 0 to Ireland. And then they were like, "You have to go to Yerevan now, Andy Robertson." <laughs> and I just thought, like, this is this is insane what they're doing to this guy. Yeah, no, it is. But you see, it comes back to one of the things it comes back to is uh, the prof- like the act of cultural vandalism that was moving the World Cup. You know, one of those things that in, and it seems almost like it's sort of a, um, a first-class problem to, to complain about it, and it, maybe it's a Eurocentric problem to complain about it. But no, it's, it's the whole world. The whole world is missing out on this. We should be watching. We should be talking about the World Cup right now. I know. Instead, we're, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here in, like, Poland... <laughs> Talking. You're, no, I love when you, when, you, when you're talking about Andy Robinson, Ken, you're actually talking about yourself. Yeah, look, it's great. Look, it's it's all good. Now, look, um, I, I I have to say, I can't thank you enough. You know, I can't thank you, you Dude, guys just, enough. Hmm? Just actually on that, one thing that struck me about this the other day as well, and with this, what's happening with the Winter World Cup, Wales obviously qualified for the first time in what sixty-four years, whatever it is. I know because on Saturday was the anniversary of the Italian ninety England game. Imagine our first World Cup had been Qatar. It would have like, been like oh, well, like like basically like effectively Wales is. I mean, nineteen fifty eight or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. you know, this is like really what you know. Yeah. They're for, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no. Go on, finish, finish the thought. Like what? What you know? What do you? It, I mean, it does just kind of. <laughs> this isn't the proper World Cup. It's it, the whole thing is soured by what it is. Uh, both in terms of everything about it, and most of all, of course, all the questions about Qatar. Um, and I just, just as we were as we were talking there, I saw Tariq Panja put up a, a clip of Peruvian fans in Qatar. For did their, they think um, it was? I mean, why are they for there their, for their playoff? Uh, against well, so yes. obviously because it's, it's so they're hot. playing the UAE. Yeah, is it the Australia yeah. against Peru? Yeah, playing Australia for the, for the final playoff or the, the one of those final intercontinental places. 
and the game is obviously going to take place. It's in an air-conditioned stadium. And obviously the fans have travelled over, because Peruvian fans do travel in huge numbers. I remember there was such a massive presence in 2018. Uh, and they're basically just all in some air-conditioned mall, rather than kind of... Running <laughs> around Nizhny Novgorod as they, as they were so gloriously. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah was, like we, we do forget that they were awarded it on... Like, you know, the air-conditioning stadiums were... A, like a key uh, factor in them in them getting that was the, the game Cup. changer. Yeah, yeah. Before it was actually announced, well, actually, no, that's not never going to work, and we're going to uh, we're going to just rip up this uh, fundamental piece of football heritage, which is a World Cup in in June or July, and it's um, and it is again, it is like it's funny. I, my son is playing a mini World Cup at the moment, which I think all of us, lots of you know, we've been talking about this. Like it, it's a kind of uh, ritual of, of kind of you know being a child but like I was actually thinking how great it would be for for them if the World Cup was on as it should be right now as well because you would just have this huge excitement although there's another part of me thinking uh, I'd be missing I'd be missing uh, I'd be bringing him to a mini World Cup and missing three games in a day <laughs> uh, so uh, but but no but it is that thing of this is this is when the tournament is meant to be taking place it is it is hardwired in us to have it in in june and july and it isn't it isn't like even in the top five reasons why qatar shouldn't have the world cup but it's 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 still a critical thing that and and you know you're seeing it you're seeing it with sports of of less importance like golf that those traditions and those, those when you actually try and upend them it doesn't work like there is there is a, a cultural memory that actually is important and is valuable and actually may, means that it is very hard for it, it doesn't it doesn't ring true when those things are, are upended in any way and i think it is an, an important factor and it is an important thing to remember at, at, you know at the time when we're actually should be watching a, something a lot better than the nations league so just just to finish this Dion, um and to take this conversation right back to where really you know the conversation should always be mindful of the grassroots the grassroots of Irish football you know are the kids all right <laughs> um the kids are all right they're doing a, the, the, the what well, you mean the mini the mini world cup kids. the mini world cup yeah yeah you've been watching the what's what's the state of the game the, what's the state of the game the kids are the, great the, like, of the, game? the kids are great i actually be struck by um uh I, I think the kids are fine i think uh i've been struck by my own um uh sort of primitive responses at times like you know it's a bit like it's a bit like when a Tory comes on and starts talking about Ireland and you start kind of summoning up the spirit of kind of Dan Breen you know you mean you think you're kind of clear of all that kind of nationalism and uh, primitive stuff like you know I found myself on the sideline have you gone toe to toe with, a, with another no dad? no no but I found myself on the sideline yesterday shouting get rid you know <laughs> and, uh, and, and and launch it and these kind of things that uh <laughs> that um you know i would consider myself uh you know having weaned myself off for all those kind of things and you know no let's play a progressive so, but it's uh so i think that that again like the world cup but it's hardwired in in us to like that sort of that 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 deep satisfaction when a kid just boots at 40 yards um is uh, is, is there is any that, is there anything more magnificent you know that's why we love long range goals you know it's just the adult version of that maybe that's it uh, okay, great stuff, guys. Miguel, Dion, thanks for me for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys.
Okay, so what's on the travel agenda today? Any sites of historical interest you're going to take in this afternoon, Ken? It's an open book, and I'm I'm eager to start reading uh, the city of Woods. I haven't I haven't done advanced research. I haven't, you know, formed any kind of tunnel vision about you know what's out there. I'm going to go out there with a with a, a sort of a wide screen, you know. Where where view. geographically is Woods? Is it closer uh, to the German like, border or the Russian border? It's on the German side of Warsaw. It's a it's like south west southwest of Warsaw, probably uh, what was about an hour an hour's drive, uh, you know, something like that. Um, I, I miss Poland. It's ten years since I was in Poland for the Euros. Ah, uh, you should come back to Poland. Poland is a great country. Mm. Poland is a great. Poland is a great country. Like Woj, right? Have you have you ever? I mean, did you ever think of of coming here? Probably not. This is a really nice city. You're walking around thinking, I'm I'm actually slightly embarrassed. <laughs> I'm slightly embarrassed thinking of all the poles going around in Ireland. Going, God, this place is a kip. Ken, <laughs> be it ever so I'm humble, sorry. Ken, it's still home. Poland is a nicer country than Ireland. You know, just get your head around it. Like, deal with it. You know, yeah. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I have it. to it's say, Poznan, just... Sopot, Gdansk, all very nice. Very, Look, very Warsaw, nice. Warsaw, Krakow. You know, Katowice. See, I haven't you know? seen. I haven't seen those places yet. Yet, Ken. Yet. Yeah, look, it's a it's a fine it's a very fine country. I recommend I recommend you you come back here soon. Well, thank you, Ken. Um, uh, you've you've listen, you've put it in my head now. You know, it's just gonna it's just gonna worm its way into my brain, and before you know it, I'll have no choice but to uh, fly to Poland on one of the many daily flights out of Dublin Airport to that this, magnificent not Central European to, country. To say this, by the way, this is there's no there's no sponsorship here. You're literally That's just doing a this for free. It's a reality. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. by Midrashirish. Aaron Servis down the Dara Captain, Amorak, Aton Ross Rich Anu, Guramagat Ken? Guramagat the Giro? Guramagat Asvartakiyakt, Sloan, Augustbat. What the fuck is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.